Hi, I'm Nick. I'm Rory. And I'm Jay. And this is Midnight Chats, an Octivigan companion show where we sit down with your favorite paranormal authors, investigators, and researchers and have a chat about their work, the phenomenon, and all the strangeness in between. And on this episode, we are joined by paranormal investigators Kelly McCarville and Chris Nielsen of Traveler's Moon Investigations. And they were some pretty nice guys, or people. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, they definitely have, I think, probably a narrower uh, narrower band that they focus on in terms of the paranormal than a lot of guests we've had, but that gives them some pretty interesting insights into uh, hauntings and ghosts, and they had just come back from what sounded like a pretty freaking cool investigation. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I want to go to the axe murder house, but uh, <laughs> just knowing my luck, I will either get axe murdered or I'll be that guy who goes crazy and starts killing people or something. Well, you're not going to get axe murdered, uh, you know, not anytime soon, at least. You got to leave the house to do that. I leave the house all the time. <laughs> I went out today. I picked up the puppy from daycare. <laughs> I got a pizza. I shoveled the driveway. I cried because I shoveled the driveway and my back hurt. It was a full day. Yeah, I'm I, I, I'm the one who doesn't leave the cave and instead just watches the shadows on the wall and goes, this is the world. I am waiting for the day that you try to legally get yourself classified as a pet. That's not going to happen. I know. It I kn- can't happen. They're married to me. Unless. <laughs> okay, I'm leaving. Thank you for that. Let's uh, let's play the interview for our listeners at home before they too have to be traumatized. You're welcome. Uh, we have a good marriage. <laughs> Line with Kelly McCarvel and Chris Nielsen of the Traveler's Moon Investigations. How are you guys doing tonight? Yeah, doing really well. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. Um, so you guys just came back from an investigation, is that right? Oh, we did actually. Yeah, yeah. I haven't totally recovered sleep wise. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still suffering a little bit of a pair of hangover, but uh, yeah, we definitely had a pretty pretty big location this week. Uh, physically, not a big location, yeah. but. A very well-known location this weekend. Well, I'm sure we'll have plenty of questions for you about that. But uh, before we get there, as we are a book club, we like to ask all our guests, uh, what are you two reading and what sort of books do you two gravitate towards? Uh, very, very eclectic. <laughs> uh, so right now I'm actually working on, uh, I don't know, it's technically not a book, but uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. For the third or fourth time. <laughs> uh, understandable. I, I have uh, commitment issues, obviously. So um, I'm reading um, House of Darkness, House of Light, Velisca, and a book about Scottish clans. Cool. That that yeah. one of those things is not like the other, and it's the I, clam. Well, you know, we also do Harry Potter on audiobook. When well, we yes, when we're traveling, we <laughs> that, also are listening to the Harry Potter series. So Roy listens to the audiobook while they're in the shower, and I the shower's right next to my office, so I'm. Bit by bit, hearing <laughs> a lot of the Harry Potter series. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah. a, a, as I as I showed you with my tattoo, and uh, yeah, no, one of my defaults if I don't know what else to listen to is I just listen to Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, we just had started that, so we we travel quite a lot mm-hmm. doing this, and we just started the series in I want to say June or something like that, and we just finished. Order of the Phoenix. Nice. So I'm listening to Order of the Phoenix right now. <laughs> yeah. Very, very yeah. cool. Jim Dale is a wonderful narrator. Oh, great. Very good. Yeah. When the books were still coming out, my parents had signed me and my sister up for this amazing promo that they were doing where, uh, and obviously it was a pre-recorded message that they just sent out to probably tens of thousands of kids, but 
Jim Dale would call your house and would leave a message on your answering machine reminding you that the book was going to come out like the next month. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, but how oh, that's fun so is fun. that, right? Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Me and my sister were freaking out because we were little kids. We thought Jim Dale had called our house. Well, he did. <laughs> I really hope they didn't pre-record it. They just had that old man locked in the cold <laughs> <Yeah>. dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Locked in a basement with like just a telephone and a bunch of trucker speed. Yeah, yeah. Please let when me it shows see he's my wife. gotten through ten thousand names. They slip him a piece of bread and a glass of water. Yeah, I like it. Oh, okay, so uh, before we get more off track, which is just fine. <laughs> um, so Kelly, uh, so yes. you're, I was looking at your webpage earlier today, and it identifies you as a psychic, a medium, a teacher, and a mystic moon spinner. Uh, for people yes. such as myself who are unaware about what exactly a moon spinner is, uh, would you mind giving us a definition as well as can you go into how your talents come into play when conducting your investigations? Yeah. Um, so moon spinner is actually an old legend, myth, whatever you want to call it. But basically, it's a story that my mom has told me since I was a little girl, basically how when we're born, our our paths, our fate, our destiny is cast out like the reflection of the moon on the pond. And as we go through life, that reflection is spun in like the waxing and waning of the moon. Hmm. And when the reflection of the moon is gone on the pond, so is this experience. But we'll be reborn and it happens all over again. That's very cool. Yeah, that is very, very cool. So it's, it's not really a thing. It's just... Uh, it, 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 it started using it as a login name for games and stuff like that. And it kind of stuck. I totally understand that. Yeah. 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 Uh, so now I, everybody calls me moon spinner. I, I have friends who call me bear wizard for that exact reason. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, being a psychic medium and kind of how those are used on an investigation. Um, I believe that our strongest tool that we can use when we're out on an investigation is ourselves. And I think quite often we get too distracted with the tools and the equipment that we have in our hands to pay attention to what it is that we're really feeling mm. when we go into places. So um, I will try to make sure that that's what I do first. I'll do a walkthrough without any equipments in my hand or maybe just a digital recorder because, you know, you got to always have a recorder just, running. Yeah. Just in case um, something happens. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I'll go and I'll do a walkthrough and I'll make notes of, you know, what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing. And then we'll try to focus on that a little bit more. Maybe when we're doing the actual investigation later and then take the equipment to back it all up. Okay. Um, yeah. And so your, your talents, uh, psychic mediumship, uh, were those things something that you've had your whole life or was there some sort of inciting event where it started? The the psychic part of it, my primary ability is called claircognizance. It just means that I know things. And mm -hmm. I've done that since as early as I can remember and actually before I can remember. Okay. Um, so that's always been there. The mediumship side of things, I kind of kept that at bay because I was honestly nervous about it. I didn't want to have people talking to me all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like my alone time sometimes. So um that didn't hit until probably my mid twenties. And I had to kind of set up a system of when they are allowed to talk to me, when they're not allowed to talk mm -hmm. to me, just so I could maintain a level of sanity. Yeah, absolutely. I can only imagine. But yeah, yeah. And it's good that the dead have boundaries. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a difficulty yep. for a lot of living people. So, Oh yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Well, and honestly the spirits half the time are more respectful. So I, I um, read a book yeah. once on mediumship, just like a, it was it was meant to be like an introduction to your path mm -hmm. of mediumship, and it was I was reading it mostly out of curiosity, and that was actually something that they brought up in the book, and I just think it's interesting that you brought up is it's like you have to make sure that they have boundaries that they know that yeah. they can't control you, and it's like oh yeah okay okay yeah. I mean that makes sense so yeah because you you have to have that time where it's just you and. I don't want to be, I know it sounds really selfish, but I don't want to be burdened with messages and stories that I can't share with other people because right. that person didn't approach me and ask me about it. Right. And it's not my place to decide that somebody's ready to hear from a loved lost one, right. a lost loved one, if they haven't asked for it. 
Yeah. No. I, so, yeah. I mean, you got, it's like finding the balance of them yeah. being respectful and you doing, you having to do the same and you having yeah. to kind of let, uh, translate that message to them and be like, yeah, I have to be respectful. So therefore you guys have to be respectful too. And, and it's the same aspect of, I do need to be mindful of the fact that they want to get those messages through. So I do try to, I don't know. It's like when somebody is trying to talk to me, I try to pay attention. Does it feel like it's urgent or are they just trying to say right. hi? You know? Right. Because I do know that they look for their opportunities to talk as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Right. Well, thank you for that. So yeah. I guess on the other side of it, uh, Chris, your nickname that I see all over the internet is the Paranomad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you speak to where that nickname came from and what kind of brought you into the world of paranormal investigation? Um. So yeah, the, the paranomad thing was just kind of, so, uh, I started formally, uh, going out and doing this back 2011 ish as a team. And it was me and my dad when I first started. And as you know, you know, I grew up, uh, <clears throat> I ended up moving around quite a bit, uh, to the point where I actually lived for uh, four or five years, like a completely nomadic lifestyle. Um, I lived in a camper. I traveled the country just kind of going campground to campground. Um, and that was just kind of the the branding, so to speak, that stuck with that. Um, it was the whole the paranomad thing, just because it was me a lot, doing a lot of uh, solo stuff out there. Cool. And yeah, needed a something to call a Facebook page, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, having a, having a brand is, is good and yours stands out. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah, this all kind of basically has been a lifelong thing for me. So, um, growing up, my grandparents played a huge part in, in, uh, in raising me and, you know, to this day, you know, the countless places we've been, it is one of the most haunted places I've ever experienced. And I think some of that was the fact that, you know, we, we were the residents of the house too, and we were all just kind of commingling. Mm -hmm. uh, but over the years, uh, we had come to, you know, through research, uh, both of the paranormal and the, you know, typical kind, uh, we'd isolated 13 individual spirits in the house. Uh, we'd come to find out that the house was the parsonage for the church right across the street. Um, because of that, it was a, a funeral home for a while. The basement was a temporary morgue. Uh, there was town rumor that it was a stop on the Underground Railroad, hmm. uh, which that's one of those things, obviously, there's no documentation for. Yeah. But there was this curious hidey hole in the basement where you went down in the basement and it split into two long halls. But there was this obvious wide, probably seven or eight foot spot that it wasn't accessible from either side. On this side was uh, my grandpa was a borderline hoarder. So it was like. <laughs> Aisles that you would find in like a uh, like a gas station stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. He had acquired one of those at one point, and it was full of stuff. And the other side was basically a room full of dirt, which you get at older houses that used to have the coal furnace. Mm -hmm. And in between those, where there was this empty area, and there was a sealed hatch door in the middle of the living room that would let down to that. Um, and that's kind of the environment I grew up in. It was just this house full of, you know, weird mystery stuff. It was never a taboo subject with that part of the family. Um, you know, little footprints would end up on grandma's antique Persian rug. And she would be like, hey, you got to stop walking on my carpet. <laughs> I just vacuumed this thing. Um, you know, things would, you know, fly across the room. Oh, that's so-and-so. Uh, just a very... You know, we were kind of open about that growing up. So that was the kind of environment I grew up in. And I think the whole paranormal research thing started for me when I was about eight, um, when I actually got my own big experience there. Uh, so my dad was a, a corrections officer for a lot of years. So when we go visit for the weekend, there'd be occasions where his, you know, his schedule was all over the place. So uh, there was one morning he, you know, got called in, had to take me to grandma and grandpa's. And it's like, Three or four in the morning. So obviously not a reasonable time for anybody to be up. So uh, he drops me off the front door uh, like, hey, you know, go lay on the couch, uh, you know, go back to sleep if you can. Just don't don't wake anybody. Wait for grandma and grandpa to get up. So naturally, that's what I did. And to give you kind of an idea of how I saw uh, what I saw when I saw it, uh, when you go in the house, 
there is either you go right up the stairs, there is a hallway that runs parallel, or if you take a right, uh, that you'd end up in the living room, which is where I was at the time laying on this day bed. And, you know, naturally I'm about, you know, eight years old. I'm the high strung little shit. So <laughs> naturally I'm tossing, I'm turning, I'm rolling over. I remember at one point rolling over and looking out the door so I could see the stairs. And there's this little boy just sitting there and he's, you know, it, you, you couldn't paint a more stereotypical picture if you tried. Uh, he's, you know, he's hunkered down on the stairs. He's looking between the rungs at me. And, you know, you get all these paranormal stories where it was, you know, very quick. And I've, you know, heard tons of stories like that. I've, I have plenty of my own stories like that. And this was one of those weird situations where, unfortunately, for, you know, small Chris, that was not the case. Um, I did the, the universal defense of the, the scared child, which was throw the blanket over my head. Mm-hmm. Magical blanket. It saved yeah. me. It saved my life, I think. Yep. Um, and, I, you know, it was probably a minute or two. It felt like forever. And I finally brought this blanket down and I, I looked and he's still just sitting there hunkered down, you know, looking at me. And it, so naturally blanket goes back up and, you know, I wait for to hear somebody come down the stairs that I knew for sure was one of my grandparents. And that it, it just kind of snowballed. I've gotten into like the paranormal stuff. Uh, I was around 15 or 16. The library's having a closeout sale. I got a bunch of old Hans Holzer books. And it just kind of snowballed from there. It's one of those things that escalated quickly. Like yeah. you don't plan on really getting into something like this to the degree you are. But next thing you know, it's basically a part of your personality. Ain't that the truth? Hey, hey, all three of us have been there. You know, you, you pick up one book and you're only two weeks away from connecting pieces of paper with yarn and screaming about how Sasquatches and the UFOs. <laughs> you people tricked yeah. me into believing in aliens of all things. We didn't we didn't trick you. We just had you read a book. I'm a person who believes in aliens now. So <laughs> Your name, Traveler's Moon, was that kind of a combination of your various nicknames? Traveler, that Nomad, was. Moon. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so, most definitely. And it just worked out that that happens to be a uh, fall harvest moon. So, you know, Halloween and very cool. Yeah. So how did Traveler's Moon come about? Uh, when did you guys team up uh, and what's your uh, dynamic out on the investigation? It's a very gray area. Yeah, uh, it really is. So we've been best friends for years and um we would investigate here and there. And it just kind of started where we were investigating more and more together. And um, it got to the point where we were always investigating mm-hmm. together. And um, yeah, the, the nomad thing eventually kind of came to an end for me. And I, uh, she basically pulled me out of the woods. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she basically tried to house train me, which was. It, we're still working on it. Yeah. We're still working on it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it eventually just kind of turned into one of those things, and we we work well together. Yeah. It's a very complimenting thing. So my my background is very much the technology based stuff. Mine is okay. not, um, not at all. <laughs> so you know, she gets the she had the woo woo stuff. I had the uh, I guess what some people call like the scientific aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's turned into a yin yang thing because she's starting to learn how to work the cameras and. Uh, I've gotten into shamanism and I see shit now, which I know isn't schizophrenia because I can shut it on and off. Mm-hmm. Very, very. Yeah, cool. it it really was just it's it's hard. I mean, for anybody who's ever been part of a paranormal team to find someone that you can investigate with and that you jive well with and that you can travel you, with, you can travel with and spend yeah. like weeks at a time with, but also that you guys can kind of read each other and play off of each other. And mm-hmm. yet you don't think exactly the same all the time, because that's not good either. You have to have those differing of opinions yep. to a certain extent to be able to have the, the, the good ability to actually debunk things and, right. and mm-hmm. try to figure things out. So it just, it worked. We worked really well together and we were together all the time anyway. So, you know. Okay. Um, so quick question. I was just thinking about this. I mean, how often is it in your experience where the technology and uh, for lack of a better term, the woo are in alignment with each other or like where they are both pointing to a phenomenon in the room with you? Uh, quite frequently. And I think that's, I don't know if you'd necessarily call it like our 
our mission, it seems like, as of most of the time, but it's kind of finding where those two things meet. Uh, we're both very much firm believers that the the scientific stuff is, there's obviously something to that, and there's validity, but there's also, you know, validity to the, you know, the psychics, mediums of the world most of the time. <laughs> um Oh, you said that we said that. And it's it's all yeah. pieces of the same puzzle. So uh, you know, we will uh we've had situations where, you know, I'm like, oh, I see, you know, a guy over there. Uh it's uh, just general shadow figure, start taking pictures, and an anomaly will show up in those pictures. Okay. Um and that's about the extent of my usefulness as far as my like <laughs> abilities go. <laughs> I'm like, I can see that guy, and he's like, Oh, what do you want? I'm like I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, and it's kind of hilarious because like I can feel them and I see them in my head, but I don't see them with my eyes, but I kind of know like in a general vicinity where they're standing most of the time. And we were out on an investigation one time. This guy was just one of the spirits was kind of being ornery. And I was momming him basically. I'm like, look, you're going to back off. And he's like, Kelly, he's over here. Look, you're going <laughs> to back off. You know? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> So it's like, you know, I don't know. It's just funny how we kind of work together, but there's, there's so much that the equipment can give you so much of the story that the equipment can tell you. There's so much of the story that a psychic medium can tell you, but I can come up and tell you till I'm blue in the face that there's a little girl standing over there in the corner right now, but all you guys have to go off is my word, you know, or a, 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 piece of equipment could go off and we can say that it's a spirit, but all we have to go off of is a piece of equipment beeped, you know? Right. Now, if you can take the two things like Chris was saying, and I say, there's a little girl standing over in that corner and we put a meter over there and, and it goes off or he takes a picture and there's something in the corner. We just validated what I was seeing or sensing and I validated what the equipment just caught, you know? Okay. Um. So it's, it, and you can get the whole picture that way too. You get so much more of the story if you don't just look at 50% of what's available. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Now, that's actually related to one of our questions here. Um, one idea that we've encountered during our research is that there is some who have this belief that using psychics or mediums to investigate paranormal phenomenon will ultimately never lead to proof, like you were saying, as it's attempting to prove the phenomenon by using the phenomenon the phenomenon being right. the kind of john keel term for it so all paranormal events um uh, what do you two think of that sentiment and do you think i mean obviously you think paranormal abilities have a place in paranormal investigations uh but if so how, how do they contribute towards i guess proving the paranormal or is that not even the goal ah uh, it, it's it's hard though isn't it because like i can explain how a k2 meter works and spirit photography works and all that stuff on investigation but to somebody who's not going to be open to it. Mm-hmm. I'm wasting my breath just as much as saying, you know, Kelly can talk to dead people. Right. Uh, a person who's going to be un- an unmoving skeptic. Uh, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with healthy skepticism. I think there are more skeptics. I, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I've, if you're not, you're this, you know, diluted thing that's not actually contributing to paranormal research. You're mm-hmm. just going around, you know, fluffing your own. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, as far as actual proof, I, I, I think there's a realm of possibility for it, but I think it's the same as the equipment, if that makes sense. Mm. Okay. It's, and I totally understand what you're saying. And it goes back to that story of, of, of me saying, I can tell you till I'm blue in the face what I'm experiencing, mm-hmm. but if there is nothing to back that up, it's just a story. But you you have to watch for and, and this is this is with, for any abilities as a whole. And I tell people this when we're when we're teaching intuition classes. So much of abilities is paying attention to the coincidences and trying to connect the dots to things that can be factual. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's hard to ignore the fact. Like if we go into a location and I say, "Hey, you've got this spirit here. This is what he says his name is." This is a statement he keeps telling me. And the owner of this location says, for the last three weeks, we've had random teams, all different people coming in with their equipment, getting that same information. Mm-hmm. You know, 
this is the spirit's name. This is what he keeps telling everybody, you know? So it just, again, it helps validate what they were getting on the equipment. Mm -hmm. Their equipment helped validate because I didn't know those stories. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what they were getting told. So um, the science is something that has to be proven more than once. There has to be more than one factor to -hmm. say that it's, science so if you're just going with equipment you don't have science if you're just going with woo woo you don't have science you have to have multiple things to back Mm. that up that makes a lot of sense Uh, thank you for that now uh, we've been dying to ask i mean you just uh (laughs) investigated the Velisca axe murder house uh which jay was kind enough to inform me of as they are our walking encyclopedia of true crime and hauntings yep that's crazy and that one is definitely both (laughs) (laughs) oh absolutely so absolutely i mean just in general how did it go uh did you have any experiences did you collect any evidence anything compelling happen um yeah i mean so yes it's it's strange because had this been any other location (laughs) in the world we would have been ecstatic with the stuff that we would call like solid findings Mm -hmm. um but our experience at the was kind of quiet um it wasn't by any means inactive we we had yeah. a hell of a night but i think the the energy of the place alone is you know plenty capable of leaving an impression mm-hmm. and i think sometimes the bigger the reputation of a place the more you expect to happen so mm-hmm. then you almost like you build up your expectations too high so you almost get disappointed and you know the fact that we had a meter start going off within 20 minutes of getting there that and, and, and not just you know go off but it, there was a point oh where gosh, we thought they crazy. tried this device oh wow um so uh we have a, a custom built rem pod which uh, for anybody not super familiar listening that might not know what a rem pod is basically it's a device that we'll use on investigation that um you have a body of the device with a nine volt battery in it that nine volt battery is put in an electrostatic field around the device and this antenna. And the idea is if anything comes through and breaks that, it actually triggers an alarm in the device. And ours being custom made has a normal like beep setting, which is pretty, uh, pretty vanilla. And then it has this little music function where you touch, you hit a bot- button on the bottom and it'll play a song instead of this More melodic, beat. A whole lot softer on the ears, but you have to press the button on the bottom of the REM pod to make it change mm. what way it's making sound. And what had happened was that we were using it in like the standard mode and it's beeping when we're asking it to beep and it's stopping when we're asking it to stop. And all of a sudden this long sustained beep comes out of it. And then a huge weird series of beeps. And next thing you know, it's playing, you know, like basically it's music mode hmm. and it starts going crazy like that. And eventually it starts like, it's just a long sustained beep. And then it's kind of, and dies. then it kind of goes, yeah. And it stops playing. And it's like, um, and I went over, I picked up the device. It didn't sound. I tried to turn it off, turn it back on. I thought they had absolutely fried <laughs> uh, this device. And that's when, you know, 20 minutes into the place. Yeah. Wow. And then it started working again. Very, very so, cool. But you, I mean, it is, it's not just like a touchscreen type thing that it changes the tone. You have to push the button to mm-hmm. make it switch mm-hmm. from the one mode to the other. And, it was crazy. And like we had, so there's no electricity in the building. There's one power cord that's running into the building that's stretching from outside so people can plug in like a cell phone if you need to. Um, so there's there's nothing that should be setting off EMF, nothing that should be breaking, obviously, these static fields. But we also had these motion detectors. And at one point, we had it setting up in the parents' bedroom. Um, and we were all sitting in the, the children's bedroom. And it was a little quiet, but every time I would say, I just don't know that there's anybody here right now, one of the motion sensors in the parents' room would go off. Mm. And it was like on response. It was, it was the weirdest thing. And we, you know, we try to debunk things. We try to make sure, is there anything that could be possibly moving? Is there a heat vent? Well, no, because there's no electricity. Yeah, you know? there's no power. Um, yeah. There is heat in Velisca, but we had it turned off, so it wasn't doing anything right then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a window thing, which wasn't by the things. Anyways, um, we had uh, just the strangest EMF spike. So uh, the unit of measurement we use typically with a 
digital display is in milligauss, which is one of the smaller ends of the spectrum, because obviously they're not putting like enough energy out to turn on a light bulb most times. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, normal settings, uh, a house with no electrical wiring puts out like a 0.0, obviously. Um, You go to some places where, you know, I've run into uh, these people just have an electrical problem. And it's absolutely fascinating. The the side effects of EMF overexposure are actually the same as a lot of people experience with paranormal right. phenomena. They, they the chills, the feelings of being watched mm. um, in high enough doses, and people who are sensitive enough, uh, actual hallucinations can occur. And but that shouldn't be happening in a house without electricity. Right. And we were getting you know, and in those sorts of situations, you're looking maybe three to five milligauss, just depending on where you're at in the wiring. Mm-hmm. And we're getting, you know, spikes of six, seven, 20. Yeah. Uh, right about the time that the murders are expected or thought to have happened when they would have been in the parents' room, we got a huge spike. The millimeter that was in that room just went absolutely berserk and shot up into the twenties. And, and that was, you know, and that's where the technology kind of makes it with the personal stuff. So Around that time, we all kind of spread out. So it was the two of us um, and four other people. Mm-hmm. Um, who weirdly enough, are just getting into this. So they decided to go, you know, right Holistic. into the deep end of the Holistic <laughs> Axe House. But they were smart enough oh, to yeah. go by themselves. So kudos to them. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, we're all spread out, and I'm in the attic where the killer was allegedly hiding. And this whole time, I am just frozen to the bone and I become extremely nauseous and just not feeling well. And that's, that's the physical stuff. That's, mm-hmm. you know, the things that we're perceiving. And as soon as things started getting kind of crazy out there, I was, I was dazed afterwards, but a lot of those physical symptoms went away. It was like, I was sitting in there stewing in the energy of this person yeah, who's like getting mentally ready to, mm-hmm. they know what they're about to do. And like, they just kind of anxious energy that, that, Put out. So, do you think the the killer is there, or just more the residual energy of his no. act? I and I think that's residual. a hard thing with a place as notorious and well known as Velisca mm-hmm. to hear someone say, "I'm not totally sure there's anything intelligent there all the time, so to speak." Isn't something that's always directly mm-hmm. interacting? Yeah. But, I mean, we can call stuff up. But you have to think of the tragedy that happened at that location. There is such a scar that's left on that building that's left uh, in in the atmosphere you know and especially the people who are going in there because they know that story so they're every night every weekend that energy is bring, being mm-hmm. rekindled up. you yeah. know and so that scar never gets a chance to fully heal so it's like it's always oozing that energy of that horrific event that happened there but um, no all the times that i've been there I, I talked to Lena once mm. um, and I talked to killer, but I don't know that he can hear me, but it's more because he pisses me off. But that's besides the <laughs> point. Um, um, so think of it as like, so, you know, uh, and I think this is something that everybody kind of relate to. You, you walk into a room and, uh, you know, something just kind of feels off and turns out somebody just had an argument recently. Mm-hmm. You, you just kind of pick up on that, that residual tension in the air. Mm-hmm. Now imagine a spat between two people versus the energy let off by killing a man, his wife, their four children, and two kids who just happened to be at the wrong house the wrong night. You know, and for anybody who hasn't been to Velisca, definitely at least take the day tour. It's uh, yeah, it's it's morbid, but it's fascinating because they mm-hmm. have it set up very similar to how they found it that morning. The mirrors are still covered. If you go upstairs. Kill the lights, turn on UV light. There is still blood, blood spatter oh, wow. on the ceiling. Oh wow! Um, in the pitch of the roof in the the Moore's bedroom, see. where he was on the back swing, the back end of that axe smacking the plaster in mm-hmm. the ceiling. Yeah, because it's just a little house. Because uh, it's a little have a lot of room. And there's they, there's still that chunk missing out of the wall, and it's that very you know distinct butt of the axe. axe. Yeah. Oh wow. That's bone chilling. Shameless plug for anybody who wants to see a little bit of the Velisca house and our investigation. We did go live that night. Okay. Um, so if you go out to the Travelers Moon Facebook page, you'll be able to watch uh, about an hour and a half, I yeah. think, with us. So. I just had one question because one of the things that 
that interests me most about the actual haunting of Velisca is, at, and now I don't know how reliable these actual accounts are because these people might have been just trying to make their experiences sound more intense than they actually were. Mm-hmm. A few paranormal investigators claim that they've run across an entity in there that is claiming to be Legion, like the Legion. And I don't doubt, I, I, I have a lot of doubts that that is actually the Legion. Uh, did, did you encounter anything there that I know you said that you weren't, you're not sure there was anything intelligent it's, inhabiting the house. Did you nothing like that? So Villisca is kind of a fascinating place like that because what you're going to find, like you're going to Villisca with the intention of finding this, there's a solid chance you're going to find that we were, you know, talking to uh, caretaker Johnny Hauser uh, prior to the investigation. And he's like, yeah, you know, you get people that want to go in and just talk to the Stillinger girls. They're going to have childlike interactions. You have people that want to come in and, you know, smack a hornet's nest with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. These are the people who, you know, get scratched up. At, I, I think 2014, a guy stabbed himself. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, there's actually yeah. been two incidences like that. And I believe they actually both happened. Yeah. There were two incidences of men both times uh, tried to tried to harm themselves in the middle of investigations in the house. Yeah, And one of them did. I mean, yep. he stabbed himself pretty darn good in the Stillinger girls room. So. So I, I don't necessarily I don't think. That there's, you know, a demon there. I, I think whatever's going on with Velisca or the land that was Velisca, it's, it's almost become this giant amplifier. So I think if we conducted ourselves differently over the course of the investigation, I have no doubt in my mind we would have gotten shit mixed. Uh, okay. But the way we go into investigations where we were, we were more curious to talk to the family if mm-hmm. they were to find out if they were still there and if they were, you know, not what was it like to get hit with an axe, but, you know, what, what was your favorite color? What right. games did you like to play in the summer? Yeah. How did you live? Not how did you die? Yeah. Which is a lot less sexy TV, but <laughs> well, I, I think it's a more genuine human interaction. But we're also talking to a five-year-old child. They don't right. want to talk about how they died. You know, where they, they want to talk about how they lived, but. No, and I know I really appreciate that. I think that's one Same. thing I, we all have complained about. Uh, the people who in ghost hunting shows feel the need to scream at everything. as if that's the best I mean, way to get someone to do what you want. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. And, you know, I, I get it to a certain extent. It's hard to not get frustrated with some mm-hmm. of the histories at places. I'll, I'll tell you, I, when I go to Villisca, unfortunately, I get the wonderful joy of getting to watch it play like a movie when the murders mm-hmm. are happening. Oh, no. And there's, there's a point in the murders that it just, it, it, it's after he kills the littlest one that I'm mm-hmm. just, it's so hard. It is yeah. so hard for me to watch it, even just talking about it. Now I'm so mad. You oh, know? I'd be screaming. Yeah. I, oh, I, I was, <laughs> and I did. I, you know, I mean, I, this is, I've been there multiple times, so I kind of know what to expect. And each time I think I'm going to hold myself a little better than the last time. And I still, I told him, I'm like, you're an effing coward, you know? And it's like, that's not me. I'm not mm-hmm. typically like that. I'm very careful to be at least quiet, if not respectful. Right. But I couldn't. I, I it just, well, he's not even there. It just makes me so mad to watch him do that to that little boy. Uh, yeah. And like, like Roy just said, I mean, it's human. We, we can't always control our emotional reaction, especially not seeing something like that repeatedly. I mean, I, I would, uh, I would probably have a very aggressive reaction as well. Yeah. Probably this, the closest I ever got to scaring myself reacting is when we were up at, uh, Mackinac Island, there's a witch's yeah. drowning pool there. And I was talking to the spirits that were there and I started talking to the guy who kind of condemned them all to be drowned in the witch's pool. And I was getting mad and I'm like, put my feet in the water and I'm like, what are you going to do? You're going to drag me in. And I realized I'm like sliding myself into this which it's is very loose rock yeah it's and you know and i could easily have fallen in and it's that was the probably the time that i scared myself the most because i thought what in the hell are you doing do not climb in there you know so i guess in your opinion i mean going on these investigations um have you ever run into any situations where you felt you were in genuine danger maybe with an inhuman non-human entity or you know a not safe house or anything like that do raccoons count as non-human? I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I would, yeah. Things are terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. They always seem to find them 
ourselves in these sorts of places. Oh, yeah. Um, I will come right out and say it. We have never encountered a demon. Okay. Between the two of us in our 30, 35 plus years of investigating together. Mm -hmm. um, Never once have we encountered a demon. We're not saying that they're not out there. Mm -hmm. But I will say they're one in a million. Yeah, they're very rare. Um, I agree. Mm -hmm. But... That doesn't mean that we don't face dangers when we're out doing investigations by any mean. I mean, oh, yeah. And if we're talking about like uh, spirit interactions in general, uh, so Kelly's, you know, closest to the edge experience was, you know, at the side of a drowning pool that she could have easily uh, crawled out of and she was being supervised. And I am just the He's most not- shiny example of what not to do as a paranormal investigator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there is this a location in Iowa. uh, It's called the Edinburgh Manor. And this is, you know, it's kind of one of those, it's turning the most up and coming locations. You know, you've seen on Destination Fear now, uh, Ghost Adventures. Adventures. It's been on some other ones. Um, And this place is a very mixed bag of energy. So the the property itself was a poor farm at one point. It was opened as the Jones County Home for the Incurably Insane, uh, which is the most optimistic title for a building ever. Oh, just oh. like incurably, like it's very definite. Like if you come here, you're not you're not leaving. I love it. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm going to chalk it up a bit to a fit of young and dumb. Um, back in 2013, I actually closed myself in there alone for five days. Ooh. Oh, and I think that's the the closest I had come to feeling like you know something was going to happen. And I, you know, there's only you know one documented case in American history where someone died from a ghost, but mm-hmm. or allegedly thought to have died from a ghost. And uh, I wasn't near the Bell Witch House, so I, was, I, I assumed I wasn't going to die, oh, but I, really I was going to be a little twisted. Um, yeah. <laughs> Light and the uh, the fourth night, I get a message from a guy, and he's like, "Hey, by the way, um, you know, I, I forgot to tell you because I, you know, I was working on a documentary, and that uh, actually will eventually become the book that's coming out this year." And he's like, "Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you in uh, that interview, um, from what I could tell last time I was there, uh, somebody had botched an exorcism on the building." Oh, and it all like all these little tumblers started falling in place (laughs) because by that point in the you know in the process i had been you know closed off to this you know creepy old building for 90 plus hours Mm -hmm. um i was i was jumpy i was skittish i was i was askew for a long time after uh but during the time i was there i think that might be the closest because i'm like oh i'm i've been around nothing but this and it's not a good energy and whatever's they think was a demon i think was just a asshole maintenance guy who uh just you know you meet some very unpleasant people in life yep sure. and inevitably a few of those people are going to stick around and he was one of those situations um okay so i think that's the closest i've been to actually feeling like maybe spiritually speaking that, that that's the closest i've ever been to a bad situation we've we've been in real some world situations safety things mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean the number of questionable floors in oh general my gosh. oh yeah and i'm not a tiny girl you know so i mean we'll go into some places and i'm like very tentatively stepping to see is kelly gonna go to first floor the quick way or <laughs> you know so um well, almost, almost fell 20 feet out of a hayloft i think that would have been my yeah, yeah, that would hurt. And, and part of my safety thing is my own damn fault because I have a tendency to walk around with my eyes closed while I'm like feeling and seeing things, and I walk into things constantly. <laughs> so, oh goodness, you know, don't do that. That's my own fault. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, so some of our next questions are a little more on the theorizing side of things. Um, oh, it's gonna be fun. So yeah, that's what we like to do anyway. We like to theorize, so we always got to throw some curveballs at people. Heck so, yeah. On our show, we've theorized many times about the nature of ghosts or spirits, uh, and we've discussed possibilities such as time loops or emotional echoes, or also the common theory that they are discarnate peoples. So what do you two think ghosts are, and have you encountered any cases which caused you to challenge that belief? Uh, So 
I'm going to be super unhelpful here. I'm going to go with, I'm going to answer to the, both those ideas. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think, and as much as I don't necessarily believe in categorizing things, I think mm-hmm. it's a very human thing. Everything needs to go in a proper box with its proper, you know, uh, label made, put on it. And it's mm-hmm. all going to fit just, just pr- nice. It's supposed to fit real nice. And I don't think we're in a position where we actually know what we're dealing with enough to put labels on things, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you know, shadow people, uh, all that stuff. But a couple of things that I, I do feel like are a thing. And one is a, uh, what you kind of referred to with that echo. And I think that's something that a lot of people would just call a residual, residual haunting. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't know we're here we're only kind of getting side effects. It's, you know, the, um, the civil war fort where you can see at 1am every night, a uh, guard walking his rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taken a house call where like clockwork every night from the West side of the barn to the East side of the barn, you heard heavy boot steps and they weren't caused by physical footprints. Cause you know, uh, my brother and I got up there and we're stomping around and they can't hear anything below mm-hmm. us. Um, so it's like that stone tape theory. It's just something is causing a moment in history to play on a loop. Okay. Uh, that being said, there are in, intelligent spirits kind of wandering around in our experience that that you can interact with. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing for me is, I mean, I work enough in the energy realms that I know energy is everywhere. Everything is energy. And mm-hmm. energy is never ending, ending. So it's always there. It's just a matter of what form is it in. So that energy our energy can choose whether or not it wants to come back and visit when we've lost this meat suit that we're wearing Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that we're here all the time it doesn't mean that we're trapped here all the time it just means that for whatever reason we're at that location at that particular time um i think sometimes they're there and people don't know it it's just like you can be in a building with somebody else, and unless you happen to run into them, you don't know that there's someone else in the building with you. You know, right? Um, that's a good. That's a good example. I like that. But there's there's definitely there's the residual where the spirit itself is not there, the energy is not there. It's a scar. It's like a movie playing back. Mm-hmm. But then there is the intelligent where it's an energy field. Mm-hmm. I there was a book series. There was a very scary book series that I loved when I was a kid called um, The Last Apprentice. And that was actually mm-hmm. one of the things that that's one of the things that stuck with me from the book is that they uh, they're called spooks in that the kind of mm-hmm. paranormal investigator warrior type people. They distinguish between ghosts and ghasts and they're like a ghost is a discarnate spirit. It has agency. It has thoughts. It has desires. A ghast is like what you described. It's it's a scar. It's the residual echo of an emotion. Yeah. And basically it's like the way it got explained in that book is you can't do anything for a ghast. It it can't hurt you and it can't really yeah. do anything to you, but you, you just have to kind of accept that it's there because yeah. it's, it's a scar literally on the world now. And obviously that book is fiction, but I still kind of, but I still kind of use that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I compare it to movies all the time when the actors are there filming the movie, it's actually happening. But that doesn't mean when we're watching the movie that the actors are back there doing it again. Mm-hmm. We're watching something that happened before. Mm-hmm. Which blew my mind the first time she explained that to me, because that's not how I thought movies worked at all. They're in the little box in front of me where you just kind of give me my own show. It's a little itty bitty people too. Please free Amy Adams. She's been in there for so long. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you were just uh, kind of talking a little bit there about the nature of uh, death and ghosts, which is something we've talked about quite a bit as well. So has your work revealed to you any hints about the nature of the dead or the afterlife realm? And what do you think are the key lessons that you've, you've gleaned from your time as an investigator? I think that's why the paranormal gets its hooks on so many people, because as soon as you think you might have some sort of a insight, mm-hmm. you also develop at least 30 more questions. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I think the biggest answer that I have is we're never going to know for sure until we're not in our physical form anymore. And then when they put us back in our physical form, they make us forget, yeah. you know? Um, but I I think, and I don't know that mine comes just from the paranormal investigating. I think it's just my spiritual past as a whole, but just people need to remember that 
we're not just given one shot at this. So if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the freaking world. And yet you need to try not to make mistakes. You need to try to be a good person because you do still have to answer for when you're kind of a dick, you know? Um, so it's, it's managing your energy. It's managing what you do and how you react and knowing that this is, this is an experience. And that's, it's funny because that's what a lot of the spirits that I talk to call it. And when we talk, especially about like reincarnation, they call it experiences Mm -hmm. Um, because that is we're out, we're experiencing good, bad, ugly. Mm -hmm. Everything's an experience. Huh? I like that. It actually like, and I mean, we've talked about stuff very, very similar to that, to, to, to that idea. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and one thing that, that stands out to me is because I like, I can imagine like with you guys, like I spend a lot of my time just studying and reading different things, not necessarily in the paranormal, but in like spiritually. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now I'm actually, I t- I'm taking a program and I'm studying Druidry through a, a program out, uh, out of the UK, uh, just cause I'm, I'm Irish and I was fascinated by it. Right. Um, and something that I've noticed, uh, through, throughout my studies with Druidry is while like the stories may have changed, um, you know, talking about the the Tuatadon and, and the gods amongst druids right but ultimately the goal and what you're seeking uh through your studies in druidry is the same as if I was practicing wicca it's exactly. the same as if I was a zen buddhist it's exactly. this like like they change they they may change the the terminology but ultimately the goal is still the same i'm trying to seek some form of enlightenment and i from everything that i've studied i can't separate everything that I've learned about the paranormal and everything that I've learned from my spiritual studies, because it's all so similar to me. Mm-hmm. And you guys like you hit that right out, hit that, that same note right there. And it just, it's, it fascinates me every time I hear somebody else say the same thing. Cause it's like, yep, nope. I I'm experiencing that exact same thing. The ever the yeah. quest for the perennial philosophy. Yep. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Okay, so we have uh, just two more questions. Uh, so our next one is back on the technology bent. Uh, so in the last several years, we have noticed an increasingly large marketplace for ghost hunting equipment, uh, and especially some new stuff coming out like advanced recorders, spirit boxes, proximity sensors, like some of the items you guys were talking about. And even more recently, there's been a growing trend of using these devices to not speak with ghosts, but with things like aliens or Bigfoot or people's pets. So do you think that there is some logic to this approach? And do you think it takes anything away from using those things for ghost investigations? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I can answer the pet part of it. Okay. So pets are spirits just like people are. They have an energy just like a person. I've had an interaction with a ghost dog once. Yeah. So in that aspect, it makes complete total sense that you're using it all for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as, you know, other things when it comes to uh, UFOs, aliens, it's, it, it's all, and I guess the same thing with, you know, kind of Bigfoot, it all depends on what your uh, per- perception of what these things might be is. So Especially if you go with I, theory. When, okay, so I absolutely love the idea that Bigfoot is either like the ghost of a Neanderthal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or he is some sort of interdimensional uh Alien specifically, because I like the idea that we're being visited by Wookiees. Hey, hey, you're you're um, talking my jam right now. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I I and I don't know if it's just the part of me that needs it to be simple and fun, but I, I fall aper when it comes to Bigfoot. I think it's a you know a animal out there that we just have happens to be exceptionally elusive to us. Okay. Uh, for some reason or another. So I don't necessarily think when it comes to tracking an animal that I'm going to be able to get a REM pod out in the woods. Now I might be able to use some of the technology like our thermal cameras, mm-hmm. um, our, you know, should take a recorder out as deep in the woods as I can and just let it sit until motion detectors. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's different things that definitely could be crossed over in that, but yeah, if it's a, if it's a, physical thing the aliens are harder for me yeah. because i'm somewhere between extraterrestrial being and they're us from the future like that's okay. what we're turning future, into future which people. is a weird like little train of thought i'd like i get a lot of people that i also i'm 
I have a very muggle job, I feel like. <laughs> All right. So, so, like, I'm the kind of the odd dude at work. And oh, oh me too. So, yeah. So, when I'm explain, like, talking to people, I'm like, you know, I think eventually, you know, the part of us that needs to be you know, big and strong, that's very much the primate. And somewhere in the future, we don't need that anymore. We become smaller, but we're a lot more intelligent. So, our heads get bigger. This is starting to make sense because the skull develops, the eye sockets are bigger. And, you know, they've got to be here. I, they, you, you think of an alien. We all just thought of a gray mm-hmm. more likely than not. And I think that's because they've been slow leaking their image to us for the longest time. So they think we're going to freak out when we find them, which we will. Because <laughs> <laughs> And we have uh, a tendency to shoot things that we don't know. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that makes a uh, lot of sense. So when it comes to, you know, if they are something here in physical and tangible, we need the devices that read the real and the physical and tangible. Um, and, you know, for shits and giggles one night, I... So when I traveled a lot, I, I couldn't not. I had a job down in Arizona, spent a little bit of time outside of Roswell. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, found a campground that was, you know, nice in the middle of nowhere. And I hung out on top of my camper for a few nights with the camera up in the sky, hoping to find something. Um, See, and you went after it. And I just saw mine driving home. So. <laughs> so, yeah, when it comes to using like the ghost stuff, I think it very much depends on your scope of belief. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know you have somebody who subscribes to the idea that they are just these interdimensional things that are crossing wavelengths with us, um, I, I part of me thinks that could potentially be what a ghost is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, elemental spirits, maybe that's what they are. Um, and this is where my brain starts twirling all sorts of stuff, and I just kind of start sitting here talking in circles for yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know is our favorite phrase mm-hmm. because we don't we don't know. Oh yeah, and at the end of the day, it's it's a lot of fun to speculate. Oh yeah, anybody who actually claims to know any of this shit they, is they the know. most terrifying type of person. Yeah. I can't. Like, that's agree the more. person yeah. you turn around and you go the other way. Yeah. Yep. As soon as the phrase I know agree. this for I, a I'm fact. a professional expert. <laughs> yeah. Expert. Expert. Professionals yeah. get paid, and those do exist in the field. Yeah. I, I I tweeted something to that effect out once, and there were so many people who jumped on that immediately saying, I know so much more than you. How dare you say I don't know anything? I have great spiritual powers. And I'm th- sitting there thinking, thank you, Chad92, for showing me your great spiritual powers. Funny, yeah. literally today I replied to somebody's tweet because they were talking like the same kind of thing. And I was like, I, I, I was like, I... I will always say I don't know. I was like, that's like my slogan now is I brace, embrace I don't know because we don't know. I mean, even when it comes to like all the tools and stuff, we don't really know how or why oh, yeah. they work. Yeah. We just know that something happens. Exactly. We think it's a spirit setting off that EMF meter, but we don't technically have any proof. Right. You mm-hmm. know? Right. So, I mean, th- thank you very much for that answer. Um, so our last question, and we're running up on time here, is uh, the easiest one. I'm sure it's one you've gotten before. What's next for Traveler's Moon, and where can people find you? It is next for us. Um, oh, goodness. Next is going to be... Edinburgh. No. No? Next is going to be the Dead of Winter Paracon oh, in that's Alton, right. Illinois, um, and that's February 12th. Um. And then it's Edinburgh. And then it's Edinburgh. So uh, we were asked to come out to Edinburgh at the end of February, do an investigation out there. So very cool. Um, and that that's about the end of our downtime. Then we start going back to about every weekend. We've got something <laughs> going on. Something. Yeah. Oh, very, very uh, cool. That's exciting, though. Uh, so, so thank you very much for that. And um, so your stuff, do you primarily just post on the Facebook? Uh, yeah, so uh, we are a little bit all over the place as far as like <laughs> social media goes. So mm-hmm. we we do the Facebook. Uh, we honestly we got Twitter just so we could keep the handle. Um, we don't really use a whole lot of the Twitter. We do Instagram. Uh, we're trying to keep up with the trends of social media and develop a TikTok, which is somewhere between eating my soul and weirdly keeping me entertained. <laughs> like I, I video making is something I've always been interested in, and now I have this this little outlet for that. Uh, that compulsion to take videos and turn it into stuff. But we do have some videos out on YouTube as well. Yeah, and which are usually the kind of saved version. So when we, a lot of something we really like to do is get, you know, 
people out interacting. So we do live stream a lot of our investigations mm. um, and that's primarily through Facebook right now. Okay. Oh, very, very cool. We'll have to tune into the next one. Yeah, for Definitely. sure. All right. Well, uh, that is all the time we have. So thank you, Chris. Thank you, Kelly. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you guys uh, g- gave us a lot to think about. Hey, thanks, thanks for having us. us. Of course. You have fun. a great night. Yeah, you too. Thank you.